not particularly inviting, since give them an inch, they'll take a mile, has been his observation of conversation with these girls. They are a stiff-quaffed, whippet-then Ypsilanti housewife with a prematurely aged face and a borderline obese black commuter from West Detroit with a big, booming laugh and a ready smirk. In a word, trouble. Their chatter is littered with the pop culture vernacular of the times, girlfriend and bad hair day and talk to the hand, punctuated with the whoops and high fives endlessly recycled on so many reality television shows with their adolescent dramas of rejection and loyalty and betrayal. Today, they're standing in the waiting area, among a hushed crowd bunched before the big black wall-mounted television, and curiosity stops Larrabee and draws him closer as the crowd shifts and murmurs, and a few hands flutter to a few mouths to stifle gasps. Larrabee feels that prickly burst of tension at the thought that some giant catastrophe has again befallen us all, with its immediate toll of human flesh and blood, and the days and weeks and months that presumably follow, of layers of shock and grief, and their potentially irrevocable after-effects. He presses in, trying to see around the big hair of one of the temp girls from H.R. From outside, even now, Larrabee can hear the thwock-thwock of a helicopter and the crazed sirens dopplering off down distant county roads, and he guesses his beeper will be paging him within the minute. On the TV's little screen, Larrabee can make out squad cars pulled up at haphazard angles, doors left open. SWAT cops in Kevlar inch along an exterior wall of a stucco-and-glass fast-food restaurant, and his eyes narrow in astonishment to read Carby's, right there in those balloon-style letters above the entrance of the place, same as those across the white foam of the takeout coffee cup, still warm in his hand. For a second, Larrabee lets himself wonder if it's even the same restaurant and how anyone could tell them apart anyway since these franchise joints are built to uniform corporate specs and half the time not more than a few miles apart. But of course, it's the same place. And whatever misfortune unfolds within could just as likely have befallen him if he had arrived there a few moments later or if he had chosen to go back to check on his change. On TV now, the cops stop their backs flat against the salmon-colored water-stained stucco, seemingly unwilling to move past a window where they can be seen by whoever is inside. The frame pans sideways to focus on a woman in the near foreground with a complicated-looking hairdo, hamming it up into a microphone with an urgent, hushed breathiness. Police arrived just over ten minutes ago, Stu, but they're still unsure at this point whether they have a random shooting or a robbery or a hostage situation in the making. All that's clear at this point is that shots have been fired. One man has escaped out the back and is now talking to police, who continue to study their options as this drama continues to unfold. Suddenly, from inside the restaurant, three gunshots sound in rapid succession, trebly and tinny but still loud enough to crackle the TV's little speaker. Blam! 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 The reporter flinches, crouching. The frame lurches sideways and drops, displaying a dim, jerky square of sidewalk. Bits of disconnected, whispered speech leak from the edges of the screen. Camera. No, don't know. Wait. 
The frame readjusts to provide a tilted, distant view of Carby's front double doors, with just the top of the back of the reporter's hair in the foreground as she faces toward the scene, crouched or kneeling beside what's probably their remote van. Across the lot, the cops continue inching along the water-stained exterior wall toward the door, and now a klaxon fire alarm blares, a maddening metallic grinding sound. And, blam, another gunshot, a pause, and then yet another, and then silence, during which nothing, and no one, moves. One cop counts down from three to one on his fingers, takes a step, and flings open the glass front door, and then flattens himself back against the wall again, his short little riot shotgun held vertically, barrel practically against his ear. He waits a beat, and then he and a second cop launch themselves through the open doorway. The third cop hesitates, pale, his back still pressed to the stucco. But when this one tries to step through, he simply stops, sinking to...